Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hi. Hi. Hi, boy. Yikes. Another funeral today. Massive turnout. Uh, These are awe-inspiring, seeing all those officers up and down Fifth Avenue outside of St. Patrick's Cathedral. Officer Wilbert Mora, posthumously promoted to detective, his funeral today. He was 27 years old, shot a week ago Friday up in Harlem with his 22-year-old police partner, also shot and killed, responding to a domestic violence situation, Jason Rivera. Um, That's two funerals. Did you hear that two cops were shot in Virginia yesterday? Uh, public safety officers at a university. Uh, these guys were armed. These guys were uh, essentially uh, campus cops. It's interesting. You know, you look at the Black Lives Matter hysteria, and all through it was a very much a, a racist, anti-white sentiment, uh, big time, big time. It's interesting. Uh, it just tells you how little they know about law enforcement, but Three of these officers we're talking about, three of the four, happen to be people of color. Um, A lot of folks on the left, liberals, they don't know anything about law enforcement. They don't know. They never met a cop. None of their friends ever joined the police department. They never could imagine doing such a thing. They have no concept of it. They just know it's fun to march in rallies and speak out against them. Uh. Hey, what else happened today at the funeral? Well, I guess uh, the mayor spoke and the police commissioner spoke. Um, but what they need to they need to produce. I know I know Adams is a is a fairly decent speaker, and apparently the new police commissioner is uh, okay with the microphone as well. But leading the department, uh, leading a colossal government the size of New York City's government. That takes a hell of a lot of skill. Administrative, political, you name it, you need it. And Eric, as he likes to call himself, has, seems to have none of that. There's so much more to it than wearing a nice suit and getting pat on the back for delivering a nice speech. I would like to, however, play comments from Wilbert Mora's brother. Do we have his name, by the way? See if you can find me his name, because we're about to uh, play. We're going to listen to him. He spoke just a little while ago at the funeral. I just want you to know that I was always proud of you. You chose a life of service to your community and to our adopted country. Your fellow officers were not only co-workers. Where are they from? They were friends and family, and now they're my family. I love you, baby bro, and I will always miss you. That was Wilson Mora. Their adopted country. I'm sorry, but where are they from originally? I'd like to know. Um, sad stuff. And the cops, uh, the turnout. Really, really impressive. 
They've had it, understandably, with all the fake news about them, right? Hey, did you hear the guy from CNN is leaving? It doesn't really matter. Who the hell sits around wondering who leads CNN? Who's in charge of Fox News? Who's in charge of MSNBC? It means nothing. These names are pretty much interchangeable. They're all left-wing lunatics, except for Fox. Um, Trump haters galore. Oh, man. Trump put out one hell of a statement about Jeff Zucker. I'll get to that in in just a little bit. Uh, what else can we talk about here? I feel I feel a little uh, drifty lately. It's that uh, February situation, right? It's no longer the holidays. It's cold. Uh, we got a ways to go before spring. My in-laws just left the house. They were there for two months, actually almost three months. It was great. It was great having them there. They took care of the new baby with us and uh, very, very sad to see him go. I know that basically one-third of all jokes between the years of like 1910 and 1970 were dissing in-laws. But I love these people. I really do. Uh, My father-in-law, Dr. Sam, he's a gifted cardiologist, pediatric cardiologist, and his wife, Eva, they're amazing. Uh, She's amazing. Very tough, tough woman. Man, she's tough. She's got her own business in Australia. But they're gone. Now it's just us looking after two kids. How do people do it with three, four, five kids, six kids? Remember in the old days, everybody on the block had seven kids, six kids. The Mullins, two doors down from me, they had 10 kids. I couldn't believe it. Still, uh, where are we going from here, everybody? You tell me. Very strange times. Haven't quite put my finger on it. I just, there's something in the air. We are at a an inflection point, I think they like to call it. An inflection point. I think liberals need to do some serious reevaluation of what they've wrought on this culture where cops are viewed with suspicion, not with relief. You like to see cops around, right? You like them around. The whole damn culture turned on its head. And a big chunk of that is coming from the media. And you know what? It filters down to regular people. So you ever hear a Showtime, the network? They have some shows that I've watched occasionally. Billions, which is boring, by the way. My wife happens to like it. What else is there? There's Homeland, which is, you know, there's just too many dumb shows. I can't keep up. I know they're good or whatever. Oh, but their particular lineup, you know who likes their shows? Uh, I've done a little market research. White people. In fact, sometimes people of color make fun of the TV shows that white people like. And one of them is Homeland. That was a big thing when Homeland was like, oh, it's a white people's thing. So anyway, Showtime, like the rest of the media universe, has gotten the memo. Go woke. Go woke or go broke. Go. Go. Everything woke is great. That means everything white is suspect. They put out a documentary. It's called Everything's Going to Be All White. Get it? It is basically racist hatred against white people. It's unbelievable. Showtime is, uh, well, I don't, doesn't rule my life, but this kind of thing has an effect on everybody else. Listen to this smut. Cut 20. 
bothers me most about white people is when they pretend like they're the victim. <laughs> What's also annoying is when they, you know, when they kill us. Yeah. It gets worse from there, and I'm about to show you. That's um, a comedian. Her name is uh, Sears, I think. Anyway, she's uh, college-educated, happens to be a woman of color. The chances of her being killed by police are, uh, well, she has a better chance of meeting the man from Mars, okay? But, as I said, it gets far worse, far more offensive. Keep going. What is fragile about whiteness? when everything has been constructed around it. Every part of who I am has been distorted or criminalized. It's really just a bunch of white lies. <laughs> We're storming the Capitol! You're not patriots. You're ridiculous. One of the definitions of American whiteness is ignorance. You hear that? She looks like a nice lady. Happens. Everybody in there is a person of color. Uh, except for the one person on January 6th, depicted in the most negative light possible. What did that person just say? The hallmark, the the chief characteristic of white people is ignorance. And this is celebrated. This is is as cool as it gets. Showtime. Everything's going to be all white. A a multi-part series. It's going to be a series. Uh, Then they get into this whole thing, Jesus wasn't white. Which I don't care. I I never really thought of his color, and it makes total sense that he's uh, he would look Mediterranean or from the Middle. But it does not matter. I, I every now and then I'll run into somebody. You know, Jesus was wasn't white. I'm like, uh, I, I'm like, let's talk about his message. Let's talk about the gospel. I, you're just trying to create divisions. I'm not fine. I don't care. But the, so they spend about a minute on that. Trying to set people off. It doesn't set me off. If you want to have that discussion, you think it's going to set. It doesn't. I don't. That's the least. Doesn't does not matter. It's like, how tall was Jesus? I have no idea, by the way. Do you? All right. One more. It's about obliterating systemic and institutionalized racism. This is a wild place. I know Harriet and Frederick be up there just like, what is they going to do? Did you hear that? I know Harriet and Frederick B. be up there, and they're just like, what you going to do? Now, that's from that um, comedian who happens to be, she has a degree from Columbia, a master's degree from Columbia. And she going, I just don't know what Harriet and Frederick be doing up there. What are they going to do? She's talking like that. This is all about power. Liberals white and black, and you name it as far as the color, achieving power or protecting what is theirs. Because every, everybody behind that documentary, by the way, is white. David Nevins is the guy who runs Showtime. Um, he is, uh, hey, look, I don't care what color his skin is, but if he put this thing up, as John Travolta said, he brung it up. The entire team at Showtime there, White men and women. And they're putting this kind of crap out so the mob doesn't pick on them. And then everybody took the bait, right? Everybody wanted to uh, get in before the mob took a look at them. 
Some of the biggest companies in the world said, sign me up without a moment's thought. Overnight, they started throwing around millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, pandering to BLM. Hey, whatever happened to this money? Cut 23. So put together a racial, a center for racial equity and funded it with $100 million, which will help some. This means taking action. Two weeks ago, we announced Apple's racial equity and justice initiative with a commitment of $100 million. Seriously, what is a Center for Racial Equity going to do? Now, how do you do that? Other than put a bunch of people on the payroll and I guess you buy yourself some peace with the far left. You really should open up Al Sharpton's books. Take a look at that. You ran a classic shakedown situation, right? Pay me off and we go away. If you don't, we'll be protesting out here. And they did this on a bigger and bigger scale. Uh, there's the pandering. And then there are some. Uh, now, white people do this. Black people do this. But in this particular montage, well, you'll hear uh, primarily people of color using their color as almost as a weapon. Um, because when you start talking like this, it's designed to shut up your opposition. You might have controversial ideas, or you might have ideas that you think are helpful, but when you wrap those ideas up in the color of your skin and say, you can't talk about this because of the color of your skin, that's a problem. Cut 24. As a black woman, I think I'm growing tired of saying, uh, we told you so. And I find no joy in saying that. As a black man, I see the world through black eyes, and it's this blackness that shapes my perspective. As a black woman, it always feels incumbent upon us to take the high road. As a black person in America, you have to sort of find humor in race or else you go crazy. As a black woman, I'm so tired. I'm going to teach my kids when um, if I ever have kids to love themselves. As a black man in America, you're going to have to fight to be successful. You're going to have to fight against racism every day while you're breathing here on this earth that is the cross that you have to bear you gotta fight period in life pal all right it's a struggle it can be a beautiful struggle but i saw this guy yeah no that's uh that's quite an axe he wants to grind isn't it and all kinds of folks and powers are encouraging folks like him to uh to grind that axe. But ultimately, they're benefiting in the weirdest way. It's all mixed up like a crazy wiener package, as what's his name? Johnny Brennan of the Jerky Boys would say. I got to go. I'll be right back. A station built just for you. Entertaining talk, information, and New York opinions. 19, it's about to hit home. To pay for mountains and federal aid, the government has printed massive amounts of money dramatically weakening the U.S. dollar. According to some of the brightest minds on Wall Street, your money is about to hit a wall, and that means inflation, reduced purchasing power, and a shrinking portfolio. Mass money printing is a currency killer, and China could not be happier. Call now for a free copy of The Dollar's Last Stand. Learn about debt cycles, hyperinflation, the dollar's expiration date, because there is one, and most importantly, see if you qualify to trade your dollars for gold with an instant $5,000 gold credit. Call one 
888-993-9332. The Chinese virus has crushed the American dollar. Do not let it crush you. The world's largest hedge fund says diversify right now. Call 1-888-993-9332 for a free copy of The Dollar's Last Stand. See if you qualify to trade that paper for gold. All right? One more time on that number. These are great people, by the way. Great opportunity. one 888 993-9332. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Uh, Joseph is on the telephone from Fairfield, Connecticut. Hello. Hello, Greg, or Gregory, as my son, we call my wife says that we have to call him Gregory. Uh, anyway, I want to talk about the study uh, from John Hopkins, a major study, scientific study, epidemiological study, that said that, said that the uh, sh- shutdowns have, ha- have had absolutely no effect in slowing down or stopping the spread of this, uh, this virus. And, in fact, it's done harm, sociological harm, psychological harm, economic harm, uh, developmental harm on children. So it's a major study that more uh, outlets, more uh, news outlets should be reporting and I don't hear it as much. Well, I wish you would watch my Newsmax show. We did about 10 minutes on it last night. I'll do another 10 minutes on it tonight. Uh, I mentioned it yesterday during the radio show. I totally agree with you. This is major, major, major stuff. And it is wild how it's being. And tonight I'm going a little bit more. Uh, I'm going to show like uh, earlier the major networks. None of them are talking about it. So, again, what uh, Joe's talking about Johns Hopkins, major research university. By the way, they were hyping the hell out of COVID from the earliest stages they were. Shutdowns did not work. Shutdowns did not save any lives. Shutdowns did not decrease the mortality rate. And in a weird way, shutdowns may have been counterproductive. Forget about productive, like actually doing harm, damage. You know, when you can't go to the beach, when you can't go to the zoo, when you can't go to the park, when you can't go to work, you're going to find a way to congregate somehow. And some people went to those little bars and they hung out with each other and then they get very, very close. So wouldn't it make more sense to go to the beach? Remember when they closed the beach? They closed the beach in California during COVID. What the hell were they thinking? It's the last place in the world you can get COVID is at the beach. It's amazing what they did to all of us. So, Joseph, yes, it's a big story. It's not being reported very, uh, very widely at all. We ran, uh, I showed excerpts from the study last night, about 10 of them. You don't watch my Newsmax show, do you there, Joe? No, yes, I do. I, um, I, I think you, you, you're, uh, you did a, a report on that, absolutely. I'm talking about the other uh, networks that many people watch. They don't get it as much. Uh, they're not indoctrinated. The New York Times has not reported on it, as far as I know. I don't read the New York Times. And uh, but that's uh, that's a very important study. Also, can I mention something about the mRNA vaccine? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I spoke to you about this a few months ago and I called it. I basically said it makes uh, people GMOs. Um, the M and the mRNA stands for messenger. I've been teaching biology and chemistry, college level, high school level, 40 years. It is a, a very dangerous uh, a shot. And it's only called a vaccine. It was labeled a vaccine for patenting purposes. All right, Joseph, here's the deal. All right, you said it. You said what you wanted to say. I don't know if that's true. So, you know, look, I don't want to get Joe Roganized, if you know what I mean, all right? So you said what you said. Uh, I don't believe in mandates. I got the vaccine. I didn't like it. 
My wife told me to do it. I did it. That's my choice, not yours. I don't know that much. I know you're a science teacher, you say, but um, beyond that, you seem like a nice guy. But uh, this is a fight, quite frankly, I don't want to fight right now. Just putting all my cards on the table. All right? You understand what I'm talking you know, You understand, Joe? Yes, yes. All right, thank- yes I appreciate Gregory. it. I appreciate yes, it. Yes. I appreciate it. Um, I'm just being honest with you guys. I just don't want to, like, go down that rabbit hole right now. I got enough problems. Mike, what's up with you? Yes, hi, Greg. It's uh, Mike calling from Florida. Real quick, um, I met your father. Actually, they didn't shake his hand. He was talking to Pat Carroll, who was the um, ASU commander at the time, and he had come up to New Rochelle, and they were standing in the lobby. All right. When I had uh, listen, I... Uh, yeah, I, I met him too. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm like, I mean, I, 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 say, I, 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 I think he's a great man. But anyway, what I wanted to hey, say, hey, Mike, to you thank is, you for saying that. Thank you, I appreciate it. He is, I mean, he's, gosh, man, talk about one in the billion. You know, I hear it. I just, I'm so proud of him. Anyway, keep going. A great father. But what I wanted to say is, Greg, we still see black and white in America, and we will continue to see it. Um, Martin Luther King said in the great speech. We have to judge person by their character and not the color of the skin. But yet today, we still look at President Barack Obama as the first black president. We look at Tiger Woods as the black golfer, when in fact half of them are white. Do we? So wait, we I, 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 hold on. What do you mean half of them are white? What do you mean by that there? Well, they're parents. Why are the parents I, I, I know. I, look, I, that. Uh, I, He's black, fine. I, I don't think a Tiger Woods is a black golfer. I'll tell you that, buddy. I just think, yeah, I just no, I, I don't think of him as a black golfer. I mean, I think of him as a golfer. I actually, when I talk about Obama, do I say black President Obama? No, it's just Obama. It's just that socialist weirdo America hating Obama. I don't call him. I don't black. It's the last thing I think about, to be honest. I. Uh, but you're saying they had a white mother and a, a black father, or, or with Tiger's case i think it was a black father and an asian mother and we should be uh somehow that should I, I, where were you again but aren't they first pushing the first black supreme court justice yeah i thought we were supposed to see character i know I, I i agree I, I i do agree yeah i hear you um loud and clear i do I mean, it's uh it's kind of a shame and by the way they say well wait a second ronald reagan said he wanted a woman which he did. Half of the people are women. That's half. Now, the problem with saying, I believe, saying you want a black woman. Well, what about the Asian women? What about the Hispanic women? What about this? What about that? Oh, Hispanic. We already have Sotomayor. I don't like this check in the block mentality. I just don't. I um, I, I know you feel the same way, Mike. I appreciate it. Hey, where in Florida are you? What's going on down there? Well, it's nice and bright and sunny right now, and I'm sitting on I-75 northbound heading up to Gainesville from uh, just past through the villages. And it's bright and sunny, and it's probably sitting very close to 80 degrees. What are you doing down there? Why are you going to Gainesville? Well, I happen to say I'm sitting in the car with my my little puppy, my beagle. She's about 11 years old, and she has a little cancerous cyst on the uh, lip, and we're going up to the University of Florida Veterinary School of Medicine. And she's scheduled for surgery tomorrow. Today's considered a, a pre-op surgery. Oh, my God. that um, It's amazing what people do for their animals. You know? I mean, not that long ago, pal, you know, there was a thing on the lip. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The idea of a dog having cancer, like, 
30 years ago. Nobody knew. They just got sick. You know what I mean? Right. Things changed. It's. I'm yeah, not saying Greg, it's bad. What? Greg, how many homeless people we step over is, because I'm from New York. I'm down here for three months. We step over in the streets of New York City, but yet if we see a dog sitting there shivering, we call the ASPCA. Why is that? Well, right? all right. E- e- easy, Mike. All right. Now, hold on a second. You know, um... If we see a person shivering without a blanket on or anything like that, we're going to call 911. We're going to call 311. If the guy has no blanket and no coat, I've done it before. Not that I'm a hero, but if you, on certain nights, they actually go and they collect people. On certain nights, when it gets to a certain... Uh, and I have not seen a stray dog in about... When the hell is that? Since second grade. Seriously, Mike, have you seen a stray dog? I see him on YouTube sometimes. We have no stray dogs anymore. No, but that was my point. We take care of the animals better than we do human beings. We fight over human beings who are mentally deranged, defecating in our streets in our America, in America, and dying in tents in Central Park. You understand? But yet, when it comes to the animals, it's a billion-dollar business. Yeah. You got quite the voice. I like it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I look. I love listening to you, my man. I oh. really do. No, thank. You know? Well, you I like that, your style. You got that fire pilot gate. You know what I mean? You got that. You know, you stand out because you made something for yourself. You did it right, and I appreciate that. Really. Ah, uh, you. That's nice. Hey, Mike. One more thing. Are you retired? What What do you do down there? No, I'm retired. We're down for three months to stay out of the cold. Good for you. Pet that dog for me. Hope she uh, gets through this thing. And thank you very much. Uh, let's see here. I got one more. Uh, uh, Beverly in Staten Island. Hi. Oh, hello. That was quick. How are you? Good. What's going on? Um, you know, I just wanted to call to wish your two daughters a happy birthday. My birthday is tomorrow, too. Uh, I'm a hell of a lot older than them, but I just want to wish them a happy birthday. You announced it, you said it yesterday that their birthday was tomorrow. You're so nice. Yes, tomorrow, February 3rd, and um, uh, one is two months, one is two years. The third, it's a good day to remember, and uh, I'm going to do a couple of things differently myself. The Skinny Center has been great, but they can only meet you halfway. I've been cheating a little bit on the diet, so I'm going to get... I'm going to treat tomorrow as a uh, as a new beginning. You know what I mean? Is that a good idea? You know, a birthday, birthday. I thought you know, rebirth. You know, does that make sense? That's actually it does make sense to me. All right. Although my diets never last too long, no, no matter what. But yeah, and I just want to tell you, I love you. I think you're great. You cut to the chase. None of the nonsense or anything. I love everybody on ABC. It's always good. I oh, listen to it all the time. You're so kind, Beverly. Thank you so much. And, uh, hey, can I just ask you something real quick? What do you think of uh, Whoopi getting suspended? Are you good with that or what? I agree with you. I don't think, I mean, they basically want to kill her almost. Okay, she was suspended for two weeks. But I, I do agree with you that they, she shouldn't be fired. I don't think she should be fired. Yeah, you know, and I think one of the callers mentioned this, and I didn't know. She dropped out of high school. She had to drop out of high school, She, and she didn't go to college. You know, while some of us had the luxury of studying, uh, you know, World War II and reading books about the Holocaust, you know, not everybody had that. So she said something wrong. She now knows she was wrong, and a lot of other people, without saying it, now know they were thinking wrong about it. Now they have more information, and I think that's possibly – I think that's a net plus – but if we cancel her, if we throw her off the air, people are just never going to want to even talk about the Holocaust because 
you say the wrong thing and you can lose everything, you know? So, uh, and I crossed paths with Whoopi twice in my life. I actually like her as a person. I don't watch the show. I know she says crazy stuff. I know she's a Trump hater. I don't agree with any of that. But Beverly, I thank you. Left it. That was it. What's that? Since Barbara Walters left the show years ago, it just went downhill after that. Barbara Walters. Hey, here's something about Barbara Walters, really. She wrote a beautiful book. Nobody ever talks about it. It was called, uh, shoot, I don't remember, Auditions or something like that. And she said that on the TV show, since she was a woman, she only got to ask the last question. They'd be interviewing the Secretary of State, and she was the woman on the Today Show, and she had to say the question last. And since the men had already taken care of all the important questions, she had to come up with something original and different, not in the news. She turned an unfortunate situation to her advantage. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Turning things around. A setback is an opportunity usually. And uh, all right, what's the deal? All right, I'll be right back. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. Hey, this is pretty funny. Have you ever heard of the Northern Triangle? It's three countries in Central America. Uh, Honduras. Uh, El Salvador and uh, Guatemala, I think. I think it's those three. Honduras, uh, <laughs> shoot, uh, El Salvador and Guatemala. So why do they call it the Northern Triangle? To me, it's uh, pretty far south of where we are. But anyway, those are critical countries in the immigration debate right now. You know, they're falling apart and the old root causes thing. Well, you got to go down there to find the root causes. Knock yourself out. We all know what the root causes are, and there's no easy fix to that. In the meantime, there's a relatively easy fix to the border. A wall! Get with the program. Finish that damn thing. Catch and release doesn't work. And bring back those Border Patrol horses. No problem there. Anyway, Kamala Harris, she made this big virtue signal. I don't say Northern Triangle. Oh, I, I don't I, – I never say Northern – I don't even know what the problem is with Northern Triangle. I, I, anyway, in governmental circles, I guess it's a big deal saying the – listen to how she denies it. She doesn't say Northern Triangle. Who cares? But she said it out loud, and then you're going to hear her say it a million times. Cut 33. So each country has its own identity, its own culture, its own history, and that should be respected, which is why you will see that I, I rarely, if ever – Refer to it as the Northern Triangle. In the Northern Triangle. To focus on the Northern Triangle. Not just in the Northern Triangle. To help the Northern Triangle. To combat violence in the Northern Triangle. And to focus on the Northern Triangle. One of my areas of focus, which is the Northern Triangle, that are affecting the Northern Triangle. To provide immediate relief to the Northern Triangle. To address the root causes in the Northern Triangle. Uh, care to amend your remarks, uh, Madam Vice President? Not going to be Vice President for much longer. It's true, everybody. She's going to the Supreme Court. I know, I know. The fake news says no way. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Write it down. It's going to happen. All right? And I'm also hearing, believe it or not, you know who they want for the vice presidency? No, not Hillary. Got to go back. Not too far. He's still around. I know. You're not going to like this any more than I will. John Forbes Kerry. Remember him? Remember that pompous lurch guy? Yeah. They want John Kerry for vice president. 
Write it down. Hey, here's something else that's kind of funny. Our friends at the RNC put this together. So Joe Biden became a, a big shot when he was 29 years old. That was in 1972 when he won the senatorial race from Delaware. And back in 1972, you had the, you had like kind of uh, they were primitive in terms of political consulting, right? And they would say things like uh, the consultant would sit down the candidate and you have to personalize yourself and and talk about your pops, talk about your dad a lot. And they're like, really? Yes. And that was like cutting edge stuff in 1972. And Joe stopped learning anything at that point in his life. So listen to how he goes around. Obviously, his father did not say any of this crap. All right. It's impossible for a guy of that. I've seen this dude. There's no way. But listen to Joe talk about his. You tell me. You think this is legit? It's not. But uh, cut 34. My dad just say, you know, we just ought to give people ability just be able to take a deep breath. And then he'd say, Joey, a job is about a lot more than a paycheck. And he used to have an expression. He'd say, you got to know how to know. You've got to know how to know. Silence, as my dad would remind me, silence is complicity. <laughs> you know, my dad's another expression. The only way to deal with the abuse of power is with power. Well, my, my dad had an expression. He said, Joey, it's not a question of succeeding whether you get knocked down. It's how quickly you get up. And, uh, and he used to say, you never explain and never complain. My dad used to have an expression. He said, it's a lucky person. Gets up in the morning, puts both feet in the floor, knows what they're about to do, and thinks it still matters. My dad had an expression. He said, the only conflict worse than one that's intended is one that's unintended. You know, my dad had an expression. He used to say, you know your success as a parent when you turn and look at your child and realize they turned out better than you. My dad used to have an expression. He used to say, everyone's entitled to be treated with dignity. He used to say, Joey, I don't expect the government to solve my problems, but I sure in hell expect them to understand them. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, like, uh, his old man was part Aristotle, uh, part the... Uh, uh, Prairie Home Companion guy? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think uh, now this is the really this is this is the big fattest lie of them all. It's 1955 in Delaware, and Joe Biden is a teenager, and they see two men kissing. Now, um, just given the state of affairs in America in 1955, two men kissing in public in Wilmington, Delaware, ain't going to go over well. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying you know, we've evolved. We've come a long way. Although, have you noticed nobody's really doing any public affection anymore? PDA? Heterosexual or any? I never see anybody do anything. I guess what they, you know, anyway, that's, I'm not complaining, but whatever. So, this is, this is utter lunacy. All right? Cut 36. My dad was dropping me off so I could he'd go around the block and run and get the application. And two well-dressed men kissed one another as I was opening the door. And I hadn't seen that before. And I turned around and one walked off to the DuPont building, one walked off to what used to be called the Hercules Corporation. And I looked at my dad and he just looked at me and said, it's simple, honey. They love each other. It's just basic. There's nothing complicated about it. That's how I was raised. <laughs> That's how he was raised. All right. 
Now, number one, wait, did Joe's dad call his son Honey? Well, that might be the biggest, weirdest part of the story after all. It's all fine. Like, not judging the men, quite frankly. I'm just judging Joe's inability to tell the truth. I remember the first time I ever saw two guys making out. It was in New Orleans. I was 26 years old, and it was like I had never seen it before, and it created a big stink in the street. Not me. Everybody else. Anyway, Joe's full of it. Be right back. Uh Uh-oh. I don't want to shock anybody, but Whoopi Goldberg is thinking about quitting The View. She's humiliated by the suspension, and now she's thinking of quitting The View. Now, wow. Now, by the way, what channel is that show on, and what time can I see it? Uh, uh, I have absolutely no idea. Is it daytime? Is it nighttime? Is it, uh, when is that? I have no idea. I just, and that's all we did for two years is talk about what uh, Megan McCain said on that dumb show. Page six. I love the New York Post, but I think that page six sometimes all they do is look at the television in their newsroom and and and, and write stuff down. Whatever happened to going to Bungalow 8 and looking at whose celebrity is canoodling with who? That doesn't happen anymore. No one's making out with anybody. Everyone uh, has found electronic alternatives. Sorry. Nothing seems to be going on anywhere. It's just uh, it's become rather boring all around. But we got to make our own fun. We can't let this woke left crap, this stay inside COVID nonsense, which, by the way, is nonsense. Johns Hopkins University, thank you very much. Now you tell us the lockdowns for the pandemic did absolutely nothing to save lives. Pandemic shutdown, shutdown, lockdown during a pandemic should never happen again. Not according to Greg Kelly, but according to Johns Hopkins University, those brainiacs down there. All right. It was a great big waste of time. And Fauci. Oh, my God. Here's another thing he's wrong about. He was that guy pounding his chest about the lockdowns. All of them. This vindicates a lot of people, by the way. Dr. Scott Atlas. I'll talk about I'm going to have him on the show tomorrow night. He's amazing. Poor guy. He just wanted to come and help his country. He got just maligned and attacked all the time. But most importantly, you know who's vindicated here? Donald Trump, the president of the United States. Remember when the lockdown happened? And by the way, everybody in the room was saying, you got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. Well, the states did it, but, you know, he kind of like, but I understand where he was coming from. Fauci. Fauci was a saint. You can't question Fauci. Now, finally, he did figure out Fauci. He's always wrong. But throughout it all, Donald Trump was saying, we got to get back to work. We got to open up. We got to open up. Remember, he said, I want to open up by Easter and how they all attacked him. They wanted to keep it all locked down through the election so they could cheat their asses off, kill the economy and get their own person in there. Yeah, I think that's what happened. I do. Now, here's Trump, by the way. Remember when they said he has no empathy? He has no empathy. Everything you're about to hear is empathetic. Everything. Donald Trump, cut 27. This is from March and April and May of 20 and all the way through the end of 2020. You know what you're going to have more than anything else? Drug addiction. You will see drugs being used like nobody's ever used them before. 
and people are going to be dying all over the place for, from drug addiction. Everything's closed up. You're in your house. You're not allowed to move. People are dying with that, too. You look at drug addiction. You look at suicides. You look at some of the things that are taking place. People are dying that way, too. People are losing their jobs. They're committing suicide. There's depression, alcohol, drugs at a level that nobody's ever seen before. He was damn right about all of it, about all of it. And they said he was wrong. And now they're talking about what did I hear on the fake news last night? Injecting babies with the vaccine? Babies. Six-month-old babies. So they were wrong about the lockdowns. You'll notice you're not seeing anything about that. You'll see it on this show. You'll hear it on this show. You'll see it on my Newsmax show. Maybe you'll see it a couple of other places. But the big straight news sources, you know, they just tell you the facts. NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Who's the other one? ABC World News Tonight. Do they still call it that with... Uh, the pretty boy, David Muirish. And then there's the Channel 2 woman. I'm sorry, but she's like a mannequin. What the hell's her name again? Um, Nora O'Donnell. They don't talk about this stuff. They've all been... It was just the most, oh, how do you support people? How do you support your country? Lockdown, stay home, no school, no work. How many lives were ruined? And now that we know, Everybody just moves along. Kind of reminds me of the Iraq war. We invade Iraq. We convince a bunch of other countries to do it with us because we have to stop Saddam Hussein because he has weapons of mass destruction. And when it turns out he has weapons of mass destruction, what does America do? It reelects George freaking W. Bush. Reelects him. Now, I'm no John Kerry fan, but when you invade the wrong country and 250,000 people die needlessly, I think there has to be some accountability, don't you? What else? September 11th, 2001. Memos are flying all over the government. Osama bin Laden determined to hijack planes and crash them into buildings. Yeah, I'll get around to that right after I cut some wood on the ranch, and go for a a 10th bike ride of the weekend. Uh, We're a bunch of children sometimes, I promise you. Gosh. Hey, Biden is announcing a relaunch of the Cancer Moonshot program. Why is it relaunching? What does this mean? I saw a little bit about this this morning. He wants to cut cancer deaths in half in 25 years uh, through equity. That's the part I don't really equity. I I don't. What about just curing the cancer? Equity. Where does that come in? Okay, that means dollars. That means all kinds of games with certain communities. How about just beating cancer for everybody, for all communities? Let's find a cure. You know, Joe started a phony baloney cancer foundation. It was like one of those awareness foundations. We want to increase awareness. We already know about cancer. Now we're looking for a cure. But no, 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 no. We're gonna. Uh, Heighten awareness, awareness. And uh, guess what? Guess what? Nobody learned anything, but a lot of people got paid. It was one of those shell organizations through which you could pay Joe Biden, Hunter, Jill, friends, family, uh, anybody else they wanted to uh, curry favor with. He did it. He had a nonprofit. 
You know, I don't really particularly like nonprofits. I like profit. Here's the problem with a nonprofit.org. People think that they're doing, you know, the Lord's work. Oh, look at me. I'm doing a nonprofit. Well, the moment you start going around thinking you're some sort of a saint, you think you're entitled to stuff. You're entitled to cut this corner. You're entitled to cut that corner. How the hell do you think Shelly Silver wound up in jail? Huh? I'm entitled to this. I did such good work for them. I, I got some of this coming to me. Slippery slope. And by the way, if you've got a bunch of people who are not working for profit, uh, then, they, then they're, they're working for something else. All right? Everybody's in it for something. Uh, power, look at me, exposure, connections, whatever it is. Hey, we're human beings. I got it too. We're all. But uh, I'm just so skeptical of this guy. Just looking at him. Wait a second. Maria's on the phone, and I believe she might agree with me. Hello, Maria. Hi, Greg. How are you? Fine. What's going on? Well, first of all, congratulations on your baby. And um, I'm kind of a neighbor. I border Garden City. And I finally got you on the phone. And I need to vent a little bit. I am so upset about what's happening to our beautiful, beautiful country, the great United States of America. And nothing, nothing, and nobody is trying to do anything to put this country back in its place. Why is it the American citizen, the I'm not even going to say the middle class, the hardworking class, Get stepped on. We for, they forget about us. We pay our dues. We pay our taxes, but we have no rights. What is going on? You know, I uh, I'm with you, Maria. I am with you. I am with you. I think uh, the elites they don't care about uh, people like you and me. They don't. They uh, you know Trump. You know where his heart is. And you know where his head is at. And, uh, you know, a, a year ago, six months ago, I would have been like, oh, Maria, come on. We still have rights. And you know what? Less and less and less. Less you know and what? less and I less. I, I can I can sit on the phone and tell you stories that will make your hair stand up. Well, why don't you have, try one? We're on the phone. Well, I have to tell you, I'm a landlord, okay? A landlord. Hardworking fam. I come from a family of immigrants. My parents worked hard in this country, never needed assistance from the government, worked really, I got really it. Hard. I got it. You're the real deal. And let me guess, COVID comes and nobody wants to pay, right? No, not even that. I got to tell you, they don't pay rent prior to COVID, and they get away with a year's not paying rent. They go in front of a judge. They keep giving them time and time, and then they tell you after a year, if you want them out, you have to pay for their moving. It's like we, I'm I'm being, I don't want want to say discriminated, but I'm being punished because I own a rental. You know, know something, for a long time in American life, the landlord was the lowest, the lowest of the low. You know what I mean? The landlord. Remember the, the Jackie Gleason always hated his landlord and but but Maria, I know exactly what you, you're right. You are you're the victim here. The tenants, the tenants rule the roost. 
right? Oh, my God. I can't tell you. And then, on top of it all, we have this, now, this president. I don't even want to say president because he's just a schmo. He doesn't even know what he's doing. This country was surviving so well. We were on top of the world. Everybody wants to come to America. Now they're letting all the lowlifes come here, and us, the American citizen, we have less rights than these people that come over, and they're not even citizens. All right. Now, Maria, hold on. I don't want you to despair, though, okay? I mean, let's, fo- let's focus on the positive. Uh, let's focus on the positive. Uh, uh, I'm on the, I'm on the air one to three Monday through Friday. I know, but listen, I can never get through to you, but I have to tell you something. As a daughter of an immigrant family, I was seven years old. I came to this country. From what country? Italy. My, my Napoli in Napoli. My, my family taught us what's right and wrong. I love it. Hey, Maria. I love it. I love your spirit. Do me a favor. As we go to break, would you speak Italian for us? Just say something nice in Italian or mean, whatever you like, anything. Oh, that's beautiful. You know what that means? I don't know. Are you still complaining about the tenants? What? I think you are wonderful. Oh. I watch you every night on TV. And I wish you nothing but good fortune to you and your beautiful family and good health. Hey, Maria, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you to your family. And stay in touch. We'll try to be looking out for you. We'll put you right through next time. And uh, I know you've got a hell of a lot on your plate. It's not easy being a landlord. And uh, hang in there, though, okay? I think things are going to be turning around in a big way in the future. Thank you, Maria. We'll be right back. Uh, when we, I'm going to need my football guy here in a minute to Dino, but first, what's his name? Tom Brady retired and he didn't thank anybody on the Patriots. Eight pages of, uh, of retirement. And he doesn't thank one guy on the Patriots. Uh, I mean, he's still mad at the Patriots. Uh, these jocks, these silly jocks, Tom Brady is still mad at the Patriots. These jocks are too much. You know, when you think about it, jocks, you know, they were big men on campus when they were in seventh grade. Everybody always kissing their ass. They have this big hero complex, but they're not heroes. They know very little about the real world. It's not their fault, by the way. You know, sports heroes, we overdo it in uh, throwing attention their way, uh, you know, good fortune their way, money, fame, girls, you name it, they get it. And they get a big head, and they don't have a very realistic sense of uh, how things operate. And they get out, and they're all screwed up. A lot of the times, not always, but many times, they just don't have a realistic sense of, uh, you know, no, get out of here. And they have absolutely no, a lot of them don't have much skill. It doesn't transfer. You're playing a damn boys game. You're running around playing a game that I played, I gave up in fifth grade. And you're still playing it. So that's why a guy like Tom Brady, who I find uh, is very skilled, very good at what he did, but uh, how could he not thank the the Patriots? That just looks bad. Eight pages. Eight pages of thank you to the Buccaneers. 
these football players, these these athletes, they really don't do squat for anybody. They really don't. And we waste a hell of a lot of time watching them. We watch them exercise. We watch them make money. And what do we do when we're watching that crap? We're getting fat. We're eating bad food. And we're just sitting there. I'm not going to give them that kind of time, that kind of attention. There's only so much time and... uh there's only so much time in life to spend three and a half hours on a Sunday afternoon watching some football game. I remember once my dad found me crying when the Yankees lost. I was about 11 years old, and boy, oh, boy, did he give me a talking to. It really stuck, too. I'm like, you're right. He said, these guys don't care about you or your problems. Way before Jerry Seinfeld said it, you're really only rooting for the uniforms. Because these guys come and go, and like, yeah, you're right. And I lost just about all interest in watching sports from that point on. So uh, maybe that that's why I don't know too much. I really no, But some stories do intrigue me. So there's this guy, Flores. Flores wanted a job with the Giants. He wanted the head coaching job. Could Dino come in for a moment? He wanted the head coaching job. He happens to be black. And apparently they made up their mind before he even got there that they were going to hire somebody else. And he feels, how does he feel? Listen to this. This guy is so upset. Wait, do we have the part where he says he's upset that they, that he had to go through the interview? Uh, It looks like we got the throwaway things. I don't think we got the money sought here. Oh, brother. All right, let's just try it. Cut Juan Flores, please. What was the tipping point for you through your experiences that made you feel this was something you needed to do? Well, I mean, just... All right, put put it on pause for a second. The coach got turned down for a job last week, and he's already lawyered up and suing. Is that right, Mike Didino? He's suing the NFL, he's suing the Giants, he's suing the Dolphins, and he's suing the Broncos. Why? Because he got turned down for a job? I'll tell you about it when we get back. It's the Rooney rule. I go to commercial break. We'll talk about it when I get back. You're listening to The Greg Kelly Show. All right. Mike DiDino just walked in the room. How are you? Doing well. I like that I've become your sports guy. You're the you're the only one I got. Yeah, you don't have a choice. Uh, I'll still take no, it. You're, you're good. You're good. How old are you, anyway? 26. So, uh... What is it you like about sports so much? Sports is just my life. I grew up watching sports. I grew up playing sports. I just fell in love with the, the, the everything that goes behind the sports, um, all the work that the players, the coaches put in. And, you know, I've just been watching my whole entire life. And I, I could never imagine not watching sports. It's just such a massive part of my life at this point. Massive part of your – you know, I've noticed that, by the way. You know what I mean? I know what you Every mean. Every now and then I see him when he should be looking at WABC stuff. He's looking at NFL stuff. Does it ever get in the way? It does not. Does uh, Let me ask you this. Does WABC ever get in the way of your NFL? Ah, a little bit here or there. All right. No All right. So this is your passion. We appreciate that. All right. So, dude, 
Who is this Flores guy? So Brian Flores was the coach of the Miami Dolphins for the last three seasons. Last three seasons Correct. in a row. He's an active duty coach right now. He was. was. He was, was he... just fired about a month ago. Wait a second. We don't take has-been rejects from Miami to come to New York. Now, the problem was he did a good job with the Dolphins. So why did he get fired? Does so he have an attitude? In 2019, the Dolphins were terrible. It actually came out that the owner paid him, offered money for him to tank games in order for the Dolphins to get a better draft pick. Wait a second. That's illegal, it sounds like. That story also just came out. Wait a second. Steve Ross? Who's the owner? Ross, right? Yes. Wait a second. Wait a second. That guy paid. He wanted his own team to lose? Correct. In order to enhance their draft pick in 2019. When the the hell did this come out? Flores said that yesterday as well. And then Hugh Jackson, who used to coach the Browns, also African-American, said the same thing happened with the Browns. All right. Hold on a second. I feel like Flores... Flores is a sinking ship, and he wants to take everybody down with him. Is that possible? I don't know, because as I was saying, he then coached for three seasons. The last two seasons, the Dolphins finished with a winning record. They did not make the playoffs, but they were much better than they were supposed to be. And then he had a fallout, which I think is from, you know, them telling him to tank games, and he didn't want to tank games. How did they? Did they? they had a fall I can't, the wait, wait hold on, fired. hold on. This Ross guy is pretty smart. He owns Hudson Yards. I don't know if he even cares about the draft pick, to be honest. I don't know if he cares that much. Does he really care that much? I mean, the draft. Lose is... games? How did he do that? Did he say that in the text message or what? Uh, Flores just said the owner gave him, offered him, I believe it was $150,000 for every game that he blew. I guess that would just I mean... don't believe it. I actually don't believe this. I, I can't guess... believe it. I can't believe it. What evidence did he provide? I don't think there's any evidence. Yeah. Any written evidence. All right. Now, Flores is now on my list because I don't believe that. I don't believe that story. He should have quit on the spot. He should have, then. You're right. Now he comes. All right. He so Flores now wants a job with the Giants, right? He wants a job in general. And, but, he, but he interviewed with the Giants. He interviewed with the Giants and the Broncos. Okay. And now, now just before he walks into the Giants interview, he gets a text message from Belichick, right? Correct. Saying what? Bill Belichick texts him congratulating him on getting the job. Now, the problem was he thought he was texting um, Brian Flores when in actuality he was texting Brian Dubois, who was who the Giants ended up oh, hiring as it's their a, coach. It's a texting mishap. Correct. So Bill Belichick oh, texted the wrong guy. Who's ever, made a, who's ever had a texting mishap? We all have. Uh, yeah, I guess so. We all? Really? I mean, all right. So, wait, gee whiz. All right, so Brian, and what did Coach Belichick do? Did he apologize? He was just like, oh, crap, I meant to send that to Dubal, not you, hope all's well. But they interviewed him anyway. Now, Flores got interviewed after he received that text message. Well, text message, I mean, all right, this is where Flores loses his mind a little bit, all right? This happens in life. This happens in life. You know? Most job interviews, you're not going to get the job. They've already made up their mind. They have somebody else in mind. This happens all the time. Welcome to the world. Like I was saying earlier, these these jocks, these meat, they're, a lot of times they're meatheads in the ways of the world. They are. Now, did Flores play pro ball? Um, I don't know if he played in the NFL. I think he might have. I well, whatever. He was hanging around football players his whole life. He doesn't right. know that much about the world. I'm sorry. He doesn't. You got to get out of the locker room and off the field and experience life. Now, let me hear this guy on the CBS Morning Show. This just happened last week, and he's irate at the world. He's got three lawyers, and he's on national TV bitching and moaning that he did not get a job because he went on the interview. All right, let me hear this. So at that point, 
How did that make you feel knowing that you were walking into an interview where a decision might have already been made? It was a range of emotions. Uh, humiliation, uh, uh, disbelief, um, uh, anger. Um, now I've worked so hard to get to, to, um, to where I am from a, uh, in football, to become a head coach. Um, put 18 years in, in this league, and it was... Uh, uh, to, to, to go on at what was going to be a, what, what felt like or what was a sham interview, I was, uh, I was hurt. And, but you uh, went knowing that you probably weren't going to get it. Why did. why did you continue to go? Uh, I think uh, I, 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 there's still hope. Maybe it's call it, call it the audacity of hope. Um, and uh, I, I was, you know, I have a belief that, you know, there's good in people. I, I just do. Um, we and, knew uh, he wasn't getting that job. At, on the day before that, that Giants interview, we, we reached out to you, CBS, to, yeah. to, both, to all of you, to, yeah. to start talking about doing this interview today because we knew he wasn't getting the job. We Alert knew it was the setup. media! We knew they were just trying to comply with the Rooney rule. We started drafting the complaint, and, uh, and here we are. Drafting the complaint. Here we are. It was so humiliating when I walked in to interview for a job. You know how many... I. <laughs> I've been on a million job interviews. You know you're not going to get the job. You know you make a friend. Think keeping in mind for next time. It's called networking. It's called life. It's called the world. And this guy's going on national TV a week later. One week. This happened last week, and he was humiliated. It's beneath him to walk into a room and meet people. What the hell? Seriously. The problem is the Rooney Rule, as I mentioned in that video, that requires any NFL teams that have a vacancy must interview as many minorities as they do non-minorities. I will get to the Rooney Rule in a moment. All right, now, we haven't even pointed this out. As you know, I'm not a football player, and it's now just dawning on me that Flores must be black. Yes. All right? So, uh, putting that aside for a moment... There's nothing humiliating going on a job interview. And he got an errant text that wasn't even meant for him. All right? Right? Correct. You know how many times I went out to, I, I was trying, I, I, I've been to millions of job interviews. I, I've been out, I've been looking for my next assignment. Yeah. <laughs> humiliating. You know what's humiliating? Uh, Well, every, I'm, <laughs> I mean, not working or not having the interview to get, not having the opportunity to walk in. I don't know. I just, so the Rooney rule, I get it, is uh, is about, uh, they. this is a post, is it a post-George Floyd thing, or have they been doing Rooney it for years? The rule was implemented in two, 2003. So a long time ago. Correct. I guess it hasn't worked out very well, because there are very few black coaches, right? Just one right now. Now, yesterday, and I think we might have this, if you don't mind, uh, Commissioner Goodell, I played the sound from him in 2020 talking about all the amazing things he wanted to do to end systemic racism, right? Remember that? He played that, yep. Now, I would imagine, uh, hmm, well, he talked a big game, and there have been no results, really. I just, as you know, I thought he shouldn't have said any of that crap. He's a football guy. You start talking about systemic racism, you're not a politician. You're not a social activist. Stick to the football. But no. And All right. So where does this leave it? Is there anything else from the CBS interview? Clip what? three, I believe, on there is also from the CBS interview. All right. Let, let me hear something else. 
we didn't have to file a lawsuit for for the world to know that there's a problem from a, from a hiring standpoint in regards to minority coaches in the National Football League. The numbers speak for themselves. Right. Uh, we filed the lawsuit um, so that we could create some change, um, and that's important to me. I think we're at a fork in the road right now. You know, we're either going to keep it the way it is, mm-hmm. or we're going to go in another direction and actually make some real change where. Um, we're actually changing the hearts and minds of those who make decisions to hire uh, head coaches, um, executives, etc. Uh, look, we, we didn't hit. Uh, yeah, I think this is not about uh, getting change. I think it's about getting cash. I think this, they want money. Wigdor is a high profile, you know, write us a check and this goes away kind of guy. And sometimes that's appropriate. I don't. What do you think, Mike? I think that in three seasons, Brian Flores' career record was 24-25. and 25. Now, in the NFL, when you hire a new coach, if I'm a general manager and I'm hiring a coach, if that coach does not work out, my job is at jeopardy. So I want to hire the guy that I want to hire. Listen, there's one black coach in the NFL. You can argue that there should be more. I'm trying to be delicate with my words here because, you know, I'm a football guy. But at the end of the day, the numbers show that he's 24-25 and 25 in three seasons coaching in the NFL. And who's the, what was the record of the guy they hired? He was an offensive coordinator for the bill. So he doesn't have any, he doesn't have a record. He That's has, discrimination. That's what I'm saying. Like you, you want to hire. No, I, look, I, I'm not saying that. Yeah. You, you know, look, you own the team. You know what you want. Uh, 24 and 25 doesn't sound like it's that great a record. No. And he had the bad year in 2019 and then the last two years were good, but they didn't make the playoffs. And let's face it, the guy sounds like a little bit of a troublemaker. You know, it's a shame. And I, I why, why I say troublemaker, and I know he leaves NFL, and then he has stuff to say about the. Then he has stuff to say about the owner. They were paying me to throw games. That's one well, hell of a. They offered. They offered to pay me to throw he, games. It was not in his quote unquote DNA to blow games. But he finished the season, right? He finished that season, and he just came out with it now after he was fired. And he said that played the demise and why he was fired because obviously they never patched up that relationship from 2019. Well, look, maybe he's telling the truth. Who knows? It just seems very fishy to me. Like you said, why come out with it now? Hmm. What do we do now? What do we do? What do we do? Well, there's no football on this weekend, which is a bummer for me. What are you going to do? I, I really, you know, I was thinking about it on the way here. It's the first non-Sunday football since September. So what do I do? What do you do on Sundays? That's my business. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I got a wife and two kids and in-laws and a new house and a, a, a that over there and this. I I will probably just sit down. <laughs> I, no, I. It's interesting. I do have more time than you do, though, on Sundays. You know what I mean? Like everybody's watching TV and I'm just floating around. I kind of like that time. Yeah, my footballs are swamped on Sundays. All right. Are you a betting man? I'm a. I'm a betting man, yes, absolutely. Don't ever get in over your head, please. Uh-oh. I bet responsibly. Drink responsibly, bet responsibly. How much of you, what's the biggest you've ever wagered? Um, Be honest. Like 500 on a game? You're lying. No, I have. I know. No, it's it's more than that. No, it's not. I don't bet more than 500 on one game. Did you win? Um, That'll be a no. I lost that game. All right, Mike. Uh, Jeez, 500 bucks. Are you saving money? Yeah, man. Yeah. 
That doesn't sound that convincing to me. All right. We're going to straighten out this, Didino, one way or the other. Only kidding. Thank you for doing Thank this. Thank you. I do admire your expertise. I don't know anything about this stuff. But I do think my instincts are kind of sound. Yeah, I think you have a good head on your shoulders. Thanks, Mike. Thanks a lot. Oh, boy. All right. I got to take a break. This is The Greg Kelly Show. Ah, phew. Way behind on the phone. Sorry about that. Rashad in Manhattan. Hi. Hey, what's happening? How are you? I'm good. Thanks for taking my call. Fire away. What's up, pal? Uh, nothing. I, I had a question. I, you know, this is on the Whoopi Goldberg comment, and, um, you know, it's it's unfortunate for her, but, you know, uh, I think she should quit if she's thinking about it. Uh, and, and the reason why I say this is because she's, she's said a lot on The View. She's always said a lot, and everything has been very you know, siding with the left and whatnot. And now it's, it's kind of like things are coming, coming back, uh, back at her, you know, so she can see where. Um, All right, Rashad, network. let me ask you something. Tell me something that she said that was weird on The View. Oh, oh um, I mean, let's take January 6th and how she agreed that it was, you know, like 9-11. Um, and, you know, comparing it to 9-11, which I think is the, most egregious thing you can do one person dies. yeah you bing 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 you win <laughs> absolutely you're right she did say that i can't really remember anything she said uh she did say that and that's uh i guess she said that it sounds like something she would say i've heard others say that so you say she said it i believe you and that's pretty crazy but again i uh i don't know anyway what else rashad my question is but why why is it, you know, she was very uh, uninformed, you know, in history, historical-wise, but why is it that anytime someone says anything um, about uh, relating to, to Jewish uh, history, there's an, uh, a backlash person gets canceled, gets ruined? No, there isn't. Gets, uh, no, there isn't. No, there isn't. No. How about the squad, pal? The squad. If you listen to the crap that AOC and uh, Rish, uh, Ilan Omar and Tlaib those are they're blatant anti-Semites, and they're everyone in the Democrat Party is still kissing their ass. I mean, no, no, it's very strange. It's I'll agree with you, it's selective, but no, people have been getting away with anti-Semitism, and it's tragic, tragic, in my opinion. Rashad, thank you, pal. I got to take uh, Andrew and Stanhope. Hey, what's up? Yeah, I guess uh, I'd like to chime in, too, with the uh, NFL thing. With the Rooney rule, if they have, which is actually a good thing. It's not an affirmative action where there's quotas. It just gives opportunities for minority coaches to interview and get them into the cycle. So it's, it's, a, it's a good thing. But when a team, say Bill Belichick, retired from the Patriots and he said he wants to coach the Giants for a few years till he ultimately retires, if they are elated, they say, great. And then they, by the Rooney rule, they have to interview at least one minority candidate. They know going into it that the decision has been made. They're hiring Belichick. So for him to say they only did it to fulfill the quote, you know, the Rooney rule, well, that's going to happen with the Rooney rule. Yeah, I'm not, I don't know good. if I'm a fan of this Rooney rule. It sounds like a real check in the block enterprise. And that's where I think I agree with uh, Coach Flores there. I think that. I don't. I don't know if I like this Rooney rule at all, Andrew. Thanks. So many people on hold. I got to go to Eric in Manhattan. Hi. Oh, Greg. Greg, hold on. Sorry. 
Uh, yeah, I had a question for you about what people then you brought up Trump and supposedly he's no empathy. Listen, he, he gave billions of dollars to HBCUs and made it so they wouldn't have to apply every year. Um, he bankrolled Jesse Jackson's run for president twice. He gave uh, Jesse Jackson and, and Al Sharpton all that free rent to, uh, for the Rainbow Coalition. Uh, they weren't rainbowing because some people uh, think this, this is a race. Hey, wait a second. Uh, wait a second. Wait a second. Trump gave money to Jesse Jackson to oh, run for president? Back when. Bankrolled him twice. And stuff, what do you mean bankrolled him twice? He well, probably he, wrote he him a check his, for 2000 bucks. Run for president. Well, he wait, wait, wait. No, 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 Eric. He, he bankroll it makes it sound like he was the sole funder. It, 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 no, I would imagine that Trump wrote him a check and he wrote plenty of Democrats checks. Jesse Jackson probably got a check as well. As far as uh, the National Action Network, I've never heard that the Trump organization owned the National Action Network headquarters, which I, which is in Harlem. I've been there. Uh, that's not a Trump property, I can tell you that. Oh, Greg, he gave them free run to, to, to the, the uh, Rainbow Coalition. He gave Al Sharpton... Free rent where? Free rent where? In all the offices of the Rainbow Coalition. So well, he's not racist. I, I, not I, I know, I agree with you, but I just don't think... I think you're overstating it a little bit. He wrote a... He didn't bankroll. I mean, donating... No, I'm just saying... I'm, donating I'm saying to... He, yeah, look, I, I know what you mean. I mean, he was friendly with all these guys, and he was also friendly. He had great connections uh, with uh, white Americans, black Americans, way before he went into politics. You know, you take your Jeb Bush... You know, six months before he's going to run, that's when he starts getting his picture taken with black people. You can look it up. It happens all the time. Thank you, Eric. I got to get one more in. Jack in uh, Hackensack. Greg, brother American Marine, I'm going to be brief, but hear me out, then you can respond. This is it. First of all, Nostro Dio Gesù Cristo salute lei, bella e anche bella familia. All right, Jack. Sorry, it's got to be in English. Uh, Tommy, you're the last word. Then I got to go. Hey, hey, Greg. How are you? I got two things I want to say. I'll see quick. You had a uh, Tommy. I'm sorry. You're gonna have to call back tomorrow. I screwed this up with the phone. My bust. I got to call back tomorrow. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you on Newsmax tonight at seven. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.